Russia carries out one of the most massive and horrible missile strikes on Ukraine since the beginning of the full-scale invasion in February. 83 missiles were launched at various Ukrainian cities, including the center of Kyiv, Ukraine's capital. Civilians have been killed and wounded. Dead bodies are lying on the streets in downtown Kyiv. You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. This is our weekly overview, October 3 to October 10th, 2022. Explaining Ukraine is brought to you by Ukraine World, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm Ukrainian philosopher and journalist. My co-host is Tatyana Oharkova, who is a Ukrainian scholar and journalist at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the oldest and largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ukraine World. We devote a majority of your assistance to help people affected by this war and to help Ukrainian defenders. So, Tanya, let's talk about this horrible strike that we experienced this morning uh, in Kyiv, in in a city where we live, we actually are living in Kyiv suburb called Bravary, but also in many other Ukrainian cities, including Kharkiv, Dnipro, Lviv, and, and many, many others. 83 missiles were launched, 83 Half of them were downed by Ukrainian air defense system, according to Ukrainian officials, which shows that Ukrainian defense air defense system is still very efficient, but half of it has fallen on Ukrainian cities. Yes, indeed, a tragic day for Ukrainians. Uh, 11 people died and almost... Um, 80 people were wounded during this attack. Many objects of uh, critical infrastructure were uh, touched or destroyed by this attack. We also experienced um, electricity cuts in in many places in Kyiv. We also here in Bravary, we had this, a couple of hours without electricity. And some regions even in the west of the country, like Lviv, they are still suffering from these shortages of electricity. Uh, let's maybe tell our story, how we experienced that. We were in a train coming from Lviv to Kiev, and uh, it was a very horrible moment when you when you start reading the news and you understand that your kids are inside Kiev and uh, you are, are receiving these horrible images of strikes. And, and then, we have we have three kids. Yeah, the and then and then our eldest daughter, uh, she told us that the explosion she she heard this was so powerful that uh, she had an impression that it it happened just just in front of uh, the building they were they were at that very moment and their grandparents, and when your kid is saying you something like that you you it's it's easy to lose uh, control. We're still uh, quite a couple of minutes uh, away from a railway station, and the train was stopped for a couple for 10 minutes before arriving to the railway station then we took a taxi and we we rushed uh, literally to to the place to take uh, to take the kids and uh, we've also seen some other members of our family telling that the explosion was so powerful that the the people were just extremely extremely terrorized extremely afraid of of that but um at the same time um 
we understand that people um, inside the capital, we haven't seen any kind of real panic. I mean, that they, um, just a couple uh, of hours after these uh, terrible strikes, people were uh, were doing what, uh, what they uh, normally do. They were no traffic jams. Almost no traffic jams. When we arrived to Bravary, there were no electricity. So there were no shops, in fact. No, so difficult to find some something to eat, because you have no no groceries functioning when there is no electricity. So once again, uh, we can testimony that civilization is something very fragile. No, but frankly, we found groceries, and uh, the problem was that. Uh, it was difficult to pay with cards because there is no electricity. And when in the supermarkets, when uh, in order to buy something, you need to have a, a cashier, a, a cash desk, and it is also um, uh, it is also connected to electricity. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So these shops were closed by the but the groceries more like simple ones where you pay by cash with no uh, cash desks. It, it was just easy to, to, to buy products. Just to add here some uh, human human dimension to this story, a story, this is a story told by our Minister of Foreign Affairs, Dmitry Kuleba, on Twitter. He tweeted uh, an hour ago this terrible story about uh, uh, a boy aged five. Um, his mother, uh, his father died um, six months ago and his mother was accompanying him to kindergarten. So she left him there and she was rushing to, to, to her job and she was killed by this missile. So a five years old kid uh, is without parents at that moment. And we can just not imagine the feelings of this boy who just discovered after the kindergarten that uh, that her, his mom is no, no more here. So unfortunately, we are not to talk only about figures, uh, 11 uh, that d- during this day, it could seem to you this is a small number, but this is not a small number because behind each number there is a human life and the family and some story. Um, and that's disastrous. And let's also say that uh, several missiles hit the Kiev downtown. Uh, we have seen also videos on Twitter uh, by one girl who was just filming herself after the first missiles hit, and then uh, precisely at the moment when she was filming herself, another missile hit this place, and we recognize this place. It's near uh, uh, Taras Shevchenko University, and uh, it's all the places, of course, we, we, we know, we love, and there is a Taras Shevchenko Park. Uh, another another missile hit also Kiev downtown, the so-called pedestrian bridge, which is connecting two hills, uh, which was recently built uh, built by Mayor Vitali Klitschko, and it's it's interesting that it is half in glass, but it was not destroyed. It was not destroyed. It was just damaged, and of course, uh, for example, Institute of Philosophy. Where my father works, it has the the which is close to this place, had its windows blown up, and also the uh, the office of Ukraine Crisis Media Center, which is situated in the Ukrainian house or so the place I work personally, uh, it's also suffered from this strike. There were also some windows blown up uh, after the strike. It's extremely close. It's like 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 several meters from this Ukrainian house. So uh, you take it very personally when it happens to the place you know and you like, you love. So we used to walk a lot in this Tarasovchenka park and uh, we can easily uh, imagine the pain of the people who 
follow somebody uh, during this uh, this terrible strike? One important thing is that uh, we actually seen lots of videos and uh, some of the videos we shared on our Twitter Ukraine world, some others we didn't share because for security reasons, because they're showing kind of a key from from above and uh, Russians, if, if, if they were seeing this video, they would understand in which way they have missed their targets. So we don't share these videos, but it is clear that the, the missiles were hitting the commercial centers, were were going to the, to the commercial centers, meaning the big building, the high scrapers in which uh, there can be many people inside. And uh, maybe this is a miracle that uh, not so many people have died actually in, in, in Kiev downtown. So... And let's also maybe highlight one important thing because um, many people feel like if it um, we are repeating what happened in the 24th of February, like, you know, when a lot of missiles and a lot of cities are touched at the same moment, it is the largest, it, the largest missile strike from the very beginning of the war, maybe except of um, 24th of February. So the uh, significant effort of the Russian army to organize all that. But uh, I would like to highlight the difference in the attitude of Ukrainians, our personal difference and maybe and some feedback we had have from our friends, our relatives, our family. So um, uh, I would not say that we are we were not afraid because you cannot not be afraid when there was a missile arriving close to you or in a city and you understand somebody of your family could be there. But um, there is no panic. And there is at the same time a clear vision of what is going on. Uh, Ukrainians are very well informed about what is going on uh, on the front line in the east, but also in the south. The Ukrainian troops uh, are becoming more and more efficient with time. And uh, this uh, missile strikes is perceived here in Ukraine not as a sign of the uh, Russian uh, Russian force, uh, Russian power, but at the sign of its um, weakness, in fact. So there's a kind of act of despair. They cannot... Uh, they cannot uh, face uh, efficiently Ukrainian troops on the front line, so they are trying their their war against civilians. So these uh, terror tactics, but at the same time they are destroying um, energy energy units, and that's with purpose to create to create problems for Ukraine, and it really creates problem. Uh, Ukraine officially uh, finished to export electricity. Abroad today, unfortunately, what we did even um, during the problems with the um, uh, nuclear power power plant and in uh, in Energodar, so we were still exporting electricity. We cannot uh, afford that now, unfortunately, and uh, um, so they create these problems for government, for for energy sector. Uh, and they use these uh, terrorist uh, tactics against civilians to create panic. But once again, they are not. There is no real panic. Yeah, there is sorrow. There is uh, anxiety about all that because these attacks could repeat even just in one hour. But uh, there is no panic, and there is clear vision of of the future and of the fact that we should stand and we should continue our resistance. And there is a will to help this resistance. One little fact, one of the charities uh, which is collecting money, um, the Serhi Pratula Foundation, and I think it was also held by uh, Serhi Sternenko, one of the Ukrainian activists, collected 
206 million hryvnas in just seven hours for uh, for Ukrainian defense. They, they maybe they will be buying drones, Ukrainian drones, on fu- funding the Ukrainian drones. And uh, 206 million hryvnas means over five million dollars. So it's a huge fund, a huge sum collected in just. Um, so it means that the civil society, I mean society itself, so women, men and women, they are contributing um, just to help Ukrainian troops. Um, and this is important. So they, if Putin wanted to have an effect of panic or, or despair, he failed because uh, you, cannot, you cannot destroy a nation. You cannot destroy people just bomb, while, while you bombard them. You know, this, it's not functioning this way. And at the same time, the Ukrainian culture is developing. Why we were going from Lviv? Because in Lviv there is, uh, there was these days Lviv Book Forum, and this time Lviv Book Forum collected lots of famous journalists, intellectuals from all over the world. We had, for example, Nobel laureates joining us on 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 Skype. We had Margaret Atwood. We had. Um, uh, Mr. Harari, uh, we had uh, also online, but we had physically such people as Jonathan Littell or uh, Philip Sands or Bruno Massage or many other people. Uh, just as an announcement, we have talked with, with some of them and uh, we will publish podcasts in our series Thinking in Dark Times. Uh, and we are trying to engage these famous intellectuals into the discussion. But also, there is all, all, also an opportunity to collect funds for Ukrainian defenders. And uh, one of the people who run the book forum, they also collect uh, collect funds. I think it's 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 a women's kind of a women's women's uh, voluntary battalions, which is collecting funds for Ukrainian drones. And you just can find uh, more information in the description of this of this podcast and let me also remind that we at Ukraine World are also uh, donating a lot from your donations uh, from uh, patreon.com/ukraineworld or you can uh, help uh, in a one-off donation sending funds on paypal ukraine.resisting uh, gmail.com ukraine.resisting@gmail.com we actually bought a new car for the front line and we will Go with it, uh, we hope, next weekend into Kharkiv. Cars are very, very needed on the front line, and unfortunately they also are destroyed very, very often. So uh, this, is, this is the reality, this is the morale. Um, um, I agree with you that there is no panic, and you are right that there is a, a big problems with electricity, with water, uh, and I guess that there will be a big problems also with heating during the heating season. Because Russians are trying to destroy the Ukrainian civilian infrastructure. And, um, for example, Kharkiv was completely cut off from electricity. Lviv was almost completely cut. Kyiv was in the majority cut for many, many hours. Let's also maybe uh, broaden the the picture and uh, say that uh, many people, many media, were making a connection between what happened uh, on the 8th of October, the next day after the Putin's birthday, this explosion on the Kerch uh, bridge, which resulted in a major damage to this uh, bridge, to what was happening today. So many people, many media even, were trying to interpret it like a revenge, Putin's revenge, 
revenge against this particular accident. And in a way, there were some reasons because we do understand that uh, Crimea Bridge was a sacred place for Putin because symbolic place for Putin because it was linking uh, an next peninsula to Russia. But uh, um, Ukrainian perspective on that is slightly different because on one hand, what we do know, we know at least Ukrainian intelligence is stating that Russian, Russians were preparing these massive missiles attacks long before this accident of the, um, of the Crimea bridge, but even more important. So they don't need, they don't really need uh, a reason to attack and what they were doing, for example, in Zaporizhia, in Zaporizhia, they are um, sending missiles every single night for many nights already in a row and they are killing civilians in a multi-storied buildings for many nights. So imagine you are sleeping in your bed peacefully with your kids and there is a missile arriving directly to your apartment. So that's how the life is in Zaporizhia. So they don't, didn't really need a kind of a reason to, to attack. And this is a false argument to present that you should just don't provoke Putin. He will not hit you. So there's a wrong argument for Ukrainians because nobody provoked him back in February when they uh, attacked, Crimea, uh, attacked Ukraine and then went uh, so close to Kiev. And we, we know everything, all this story about Bucha, about Irpin, about we've seen the, all these things with our own eyes, so they 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 never wait for for a provocation to 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 hit to aggress. So um, I would say that there is much more probable that they are reacting is such a gesture of despair to this to Ukrainian successes in the front. Uh, front line in Kherson region and in in the east as well. Uh, they are trying to intimidate not only Ukrainians, but uh, but also and maybe mostly Europeans and um, broadly Western partners of Ukraine, because saying that look, you you can send any arms you you wish to Ukraine, we will still be able to destroy a lot of things here, and uh, so the reaction should be uh, here to stay strong uh, with Ukraine at that very moment to support Ukrainians to provide more and more military aid because what we need we need this military defeat of Russia. Exactly. So if Ukraine was able to down half of the missiles in a huge missile strike or missile barrage, as, uh, as one might say, uh, a, out of over 80 missiles, half or over 40 missiles were down. So we need just a little bit more of air defense to protect ourselves uh, better. And we understand that Russia's capacities are not infinite. Let's also link it to the, to this new head of the Russian operation, Mr. Sergei Suravikin, uh, right, who is, uh, who is uh, famous for his love uh, on massive missile strikes and in Syria, for example. And uh, one of the interpretations that he wants to show that there are, there are quick, uh, quick results and it's, you just, you just uh, send huge amount of missiles on Ukrainian cities and, and show, okay, we, we can crush them. Uh, but uh, it, it also can be read as an, as an attempt of Putin to just to kind of a reverse the negative information trend linked to Ukrainian counteroffensive and linked to the attack on the uh, Crimea bridge. And uh, we have seen over the past week primarily that... Uh, 
the fact that Putin is losing, that Russia is losing, is already present in the Russian propaganda itself. Russian propagandists like Margarita Simonyan or Vladimir Solovyov or or many others just showing the signs of despair, showing that nothing is going on according to this plan. And uh, Putin wants to kind of uh, raise the stakes. He wants to say that he's, he can be even more cruel. And I think this demand uh, for cruelty is very present right now in, in, in the Russian society, not only among Putin, but in, in the Russian army itself, in the Russian society itself. And we're so, extremely shocked by reactions we've observed on social networks in Russia, Coming all these comments coming. There were real joy for what happened in Ukraine. There were a lot of a lot of Russian commentators, I mean, ordinary people maybe, uh, who were very uh, happy with these strikes and he, they were publishing all that and saying, so we need more of that. So just they were happy of that strong reaction. And that's why I think personally that these strikes, they were organized primarily for Russian audience because Putin um, really needed a kind of a strong coup after these uh, repetitive military defeats in Lugansk, Lugansk region and then in Kherson. So all this Ukrainian, um, all this Ukrainian advance was, was perceived like Putin is weak, he, Russian army is weak. So he really um, needed this kind of uh, kind of reaction to show that we still can do a lot of things and the easiest way to do so, to proceed, is to strike, to to, to send uh, almost hundreds of missiles to to a country, and then you'll be on the media. By the way, there were a lot of a lot of joy uh, among um, Russian social networks about Putin being present on a, a big number of uh, European and American uh, TV uh, channels because he was everybody was wanting to, to to listen wanted to listen what what he what what he will be saying so and that's why he was present everywhere and Russians were happy about that but let's let's just uh, nail it down so he, the Putin speech today was the fact of admitting he's admitting the fact that he ordered this strike and he ordered the war crime and i was it was so funny to see on twitter for example that some of the russian propagandists uh, i think before this putin speech were spreading this oh come on this is a false false flag operation meaning that ukrainians were hitting uh, themselves with the strikes this is just is extremely surrealist and insane and stupid how you can believe that Ukrainians will send 80 missiles on, on their own cities. And then, of course, Russians showed how they send these missiles. Then Putin made a speech uh, saying clearly that he ordered this strike. So Putin just accepting that he ordered a, a, a war crime. And... Um, People are talking about a lot about escalation. So the question is whether Putin like to escalate the war. But let us also be clear on this point. This is not about the escalation, maybe a wrong word here. Why? Because what they do, so they were sending missiles here for many months already. So the, the, maybe the only exception is that they send just 80 missiles at, at, during one day. This is the only exception. But we also should know that uh, according to military experts, we are not military experts, but experts say, say that uh, Russia has already exhausted half of its um, missiles arsenal. So they will not last forever. So they, they, they are also 
the shot of this missile soon. So it was a kind of a desperate, desperate, desperate act to show that we are powerful, we are strong, we can, uh, we can smash Ukraine, etc. When you say about the joy of the Russian public, uh, some people can say, but look, Ukrainians also have joy when, uh, when they see Russian soldiers dead or when they see Russian tanks dead or when, when they see attacks on, on Crimea or when they see attack on, on the Crimean bridge. But I think there is a, a, a substantial difference. And also I have seen these Russian propagandists sh- uh, saying that the attack on the Crimean bridge was a terrorist act. But we have a, a episode with you uh, about this when you clearly said what is terrorism, and I like this definition a lot. Terrorism in, is when you kill a few people to scare all people, to scare the big crowd of people. When you kill the innocent random people, to scare uh, the society. The attack on the Crimean bridge was not aimed to scare anybody, to scare people in Crimea, to scare the Russian army. The attack on the Crimean bridge had one particular purpose, to cut a very important logistics line. Even if we uh, go to the conspiracy theories and and say that that the Russians have been doing it itself, themselves, etc. So... uh, but which I frankly do not believe. But if it is a Ukrainian operation, this operation aims at cutting the supplies from Russia to Crimea and making, of course, Crimea militarily much more vulnerable. We have seen also by the strikes, Ukrainian strikes on Crimea, primarily the strikes on airports and uh, and uh, military infrastructure. So you can actually say that, okay, but Russians were doing the same. Russians were also claiming that they were attacking military infrastructure. Well, this is, this is, this is not the case. This is very, very different. Of course, there were... Uh, targeting military infrastructure, especially at the beginning of this war. But after we have seen Bucha, after we have seen Izum mass graves, after we have seen shootages, and I I just um, hint uh, for you, draw your attention to the fact that, for example, Ukrainian National Police has issued a video a few weeks ago about the shelling of the civilians in Hostomel near Kyiv. You can just go to the National Police uh, YouTube channel and see this video. And it is just shocking because it's just footage. It it it, it is beginning with the with the just footage of the of the cameras, uh, and you can see the reality. They were shooting people, civilian people, civilian cars, uh, um, without any any difference, as if they were on a shooting training. So they indeed they target civilians. Indeed, what what the, we have seen in in Kharkiv, they target civilian buildings, and now with this massive missile strike, they are targeting civilian infrastructure. It's not military infrastructure; it's civilian infrastructure to cut cities from electricity, and uh, to 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 send bombs in the in the in the downtowns to send bombs in the commercial uh, centers. So I think this is. This is a major difference, and and we should just avoid this attempt to you know to equalize what Ukraine is doing, what is what Russia is doing. Yeah, exactly. You are exactly right. Um, another metaphor which seems to me to be important is about bridges. So this Crimean bridge being damaged by we don't know exactly what exactly. Some too many versions, and these bridges, this glass bridge, uh, 
uh, in the center of Kiev, which was touched, but not at all destroyed. It's a bridge made of glass and... Uh, parts of glass. It's not, not, of glass, not made yeah. of glass, but yeah. there are it, it's made some by, by, elements by of glass. Still, still from Azovstal, by the way. Uh, a lot of commentators were um, attracting attention to the fact that Azov, still from Azovstal was used to, 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 to produce this bridge. And so still from Azovstal and glass, and it's not destroyed. And we, by the way, when passing by taxi, when crossing Kiev by taxi this morning, we were able to see this bridge and we can confirm that it's still here. And in, later in the, during the day, uh, Slava Vakarchuk, a famous Ukrainian singer, sang a song sitting on this bridge. Uh, so just in the sign, in the symbol of this Ukrainian resistance, you cannot destroy Ukraine by sending missiles. He has such a nice uh, comparison between these two bridges. Yes, uh, so uh, so unfortunately, we are really in a in a situation when Russians continue their missile terrorism, and um, indeed this is a, a large scale missile terrorism by organized by the state to scare civilians, to push civilians flee from the country, and to to spread these lots of panic among Ukrainian citizens. Let's provide maybe some more detail about how it changes our life, Ukraine, life of Ukrainians. So, for example, schools, there were some offline, offline schooling in Ukraine, uh, starting from September, but starting from today, there were no real schooling, I mean, offline schooling for Ukrainian kids uh, until the end of the this week and there will, will be no kindergartens unfortunately on the whole territory of Ukraine during this week because you know so, so it's it's uh, it's changing the life of parents of, of the society because the people cannot work properly because kids are at home so all these changes have had some consequences um, just for, for you to understand uh, maybe you already know that we with Tanya we uh, we are a couple uh, we um husband and wife and we have three children and from the last week uh, finally after after 8 months of this full scale invasion kindergartens in in Bravari, our kindergarten was open so we had a chance finally to uh, to walk uh, our kids to kindergarten at least for half of a day maybe for the whole day. And uh, it, it just lasted for several days. And now they're closed again. So our kids are with us. We uh, we put them to bed uh, just a half, a half an hour ago. And this is time, it's I think 10 p.m. Uh, in Ukraine that we finally um, pulled out our microphones and, and can make a podcast with you. So this is, this is, how, this is how it works. It, it really, well disrupts even even for people who are still living in in their apartments as as us it really disrupt this ordinary log logistics of life. Yeah, and it changes the attitude towards air alerts. Let's be frank also that uh, there were a lot of air alerts from the February, starting from February. And we, uh, I would say that adults were not really take, taking this seriously in many cities. For example, here in Kiev, as far as nothing arrived for, for many months already, the last attack, missile attack on, on Kiev was in late June. So so it made it made people not serious about air alerts and I remember parks full of kids during these air alerts and all that but now I think that there will be some changes starting from tomorrow people will be more cautious about these air alerts because now it, it, it 
means real, really dangerous. It could mean really dangerous things. Yeah, and some missiles just landed near the playgrounds, children playgrounds. Uh, and Kiev, uh, Kiev is 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 a city full of people. So we will see whether whether uh, the population of Kiev will decrease after the strikes, whether there will be other type of strikes, whether they will will do some some more horrible things. But as Tanya has said, uh, the morale, the spirits of Ukrainians is is not to surrender, and it is not something that is going to. Uh, to frighten us. So this was a podcast explaining Ukraine by Ukraine World, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolnko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist. And my co-host and my partner is Tetyano Harkova, who's Ukrainian scholar and journalist at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the biggest and oldest Ukrainian media NGOs. Follow our website, ukraineworld.org. Follow our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Follow our podcast in, on any platform you like. Google, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud uh, or others. You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We devote the majority of your donations to help Ukrainian defenders and, and people affected by this war. You can also send one-off donations to PayPal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com, uh, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. I also draw your attention to our new series, Thinking in Dark Times, where I talk with uh, world-famous uh, intellectuals, and journalists. And one thing that we didn't mention perhaps, but which is probably very important, is that uh, it was really overshadowed by by the missile strikes that Ukraine this week got a Nobel Peace Prize. And uh, uh, with, uh, with Russian um, human rights activists, with Belarusian human rights activists, but Ukrainian Center for Civil Liberties got a Nobel Peace Prize, and we know very, very well Alexandra Matvichuk, the head of the center. And I really hope that uh, we will engage her very soon in, in one of our podcasts. So stay tuned um, and, and follow, follow us and follow this podcast. Explaining Ukraine by Ukraine World, Volodymyr Yermolunko and Tetyana Harkova, Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.